Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. We're in installment number four of a series we began about a month ago. Very excited about, I love this, I wouldn't believe you if your tongue came notarized. Seven different lies that the culture tells us and how to biblically counteract them. Anybody in the house, I've asked this question almost every single one of the sessions I've done. Anybody in the house ever know a liar? How many, how many are sitting next to one right now and you don't want to raise your hand too high? Everybody's known a liar. I'm always very transparent about my life. I shared it a moment ago, about 43 years ago. I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. And as someone who was addicted to alcohol, I lied all the time. Just all the time. You couldn't believe me all those years ago if my tongue came notarized. I remember one time during the, during the night, it was a bar where I, where I worked, but during the day, it was a fairly reputable place during the day that served lunch, and I was a maitre d' during the day, but I was still a smart aleck during the day. And I remember, uh, this, again, don't, please show me some mercy because this was before I knew the Lord. And so I remember walking around a certain lunch area, and two older women stopped me as the maitre d', and they said, sir, 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 and they got my attention. And I walked over to their table. They, she said, one of them said, uh, sir, I have a bad potato. I picked up the potato. I spanked it. Bad potato, bad potato, <laughs> and put it right back down in her plate. <laughs> Folks, I'm ashamed to say that is a true story. I'm glad that your pastor is saved now, but God. That's a true story, and that's the kind of person that I was before I knew the Lord. You can believe me if my tongue came notarized, but how many know Jesus Christ is a difference maker? This culture, folks, is that way. They tell us lies all the time. Let's look at our key verses one more time. A big contrast between the culture and our Christ Notice here, Jesus speaking in both these verses, John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you'll do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Listen, there's no truth in the devil, none. Even when he speaks the scripture, he twists it and therefore takes that truth and makes it a lie. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. In other words, how do I know that the devil is lying is when his lips are moving. I'm always encouraged by the devil. What do you mean encouraged by the devil? How can you be encouraged by the devil? Because I know when he tells me anything to believe the opposite. 
for he is a liar and the father or the originator of it. Pilate, next verse, John 18, 37, therefore said unto him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, said, you say that I'm a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. I love this because Jesus is telling you and I one of the reasons that he came into this earth. Why did he come? That I should bear witness unto the truth, the Greek word aletheia, the absolute unmitigated truth. That's what Jesus is all about. Everyone that is of the aletheia, of the truth, hears Jesus's voice. What a contrast. The devil, the culture is full of lies. The Lord, our Christ, he is full of truth. We began over the last number of weeks to tell you those seven lies. We're going to review very quickly if you have not been with us. I don't have time in a four-part series to, re to review thoroughly. So I challenge everybody, get online, get on our YouTube channel, get on our website, download our app, all of these things are categorized for you so that you can watch them on demand and catch up in great detail. But for now, we'll review quickly to get some of you tracking with us. Are you ready? We talked to you about four weeks ago about line number one, and it is true. If I feel it, it must be true. How many know that is a lie? And I can promise you, if you follow your feelings, you're going to end up like this husband. Check it out. Hey, 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 welcome home. How was school? It was okay. What's wrong? I just have so much homework. I have an essay I have to write. What's your essay on? It's about being led by our feelings. Hmm. Have you ever been led by your feelings? Well, sure I have. I mean, the first time I fell in love, I was led by my feelings. When was the first time you fell in love? Well, I was 29 years old. I was walking in the park with my dog, and I saw the most beautiful brunette, and Cupid, he drew back his bow and fired his arrow. So what happened? Well, it went around her and hit your mom. Dad! <laughs> Five bucks? Don't tell her I said that. Oh, come on, encourage them. That's going to get you in trouble. You follow your feelings. Talk to you very clearly about feelings are meant to be felt, but they're not meant to be followed. Allow feelings in your car, but never allow them in the driver's seat. We talked to you very clearly, ladies and gentlemen, about this culture is all about worshiping their feelings. And truth has nothing to do with how we feel. Truth is for all time, all people, all places, all cultures. Truth does not evolve. And I, we, we live in a culture right now that's all about my truth. Well, I've got my truth, that's my truth, and that's your truth. What concerns me is I just saw a poll, a survey that they did amongst, watch this, evangelical Christians. And evangelical Christians said in this poll, the majority of them said, as far as Christianity is concerned, that's my truth, but people have a right to their truth. And listen to me very closely. 
if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I know people have a right to believe whatever they believe, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I didn't say, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, not a truth. He's not just my truth. He is everybody's truth. Yes, we need to discover that, but I want you to know it's not about my truth and your truth. Listen to me very closely. Whatever you are banking your eternity on, you better make sure before you die that you believe the right thing. Because just because you believe something does not make it true. I can believe that the sun is made of ice and that it's square and that doesn't change the truth one bit. I watch a lot of people and they believe something and they've made that something up in their own mind and they're banking their entire lives and eternity on it. Okay, if you want to discover Jesus, welcome. We're so thrilled that you're here. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not just, well, that's your truth and that's my truth. Jesus is the truth. second lie that we talked about over the last number of weeks is follow your heart. And certainly that's applicable if you're a born-again child of God and your mind is renewed to the Word of God. But if you're in here today and Jesus is not your Lord and your mind is not renewed to the Word of God, follow your heart is a cultural lie. Because Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the Bible tells you and I that the heart amongst all things is most wicked and deceitful. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, and 19, that out of the heart proceeds all types of evil. It is absolutely wrong if you're not a born-again child of God to follow your heart. Your heart will lead you astray. And even you and I as born-again children of God, so many times we tend to self-justify. We, we do that very, very well, do we not? We sell ourselves the truth instead of tell ourselves the truth. We want to hear what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear, and we run to permission instead of running to correction. And when we sell ourselves the truth instead of tell ourselves the truth, it really enables us to never have to change. Because how many know it's easier to lie to ourselves than to try for ourselves? If I'm trying to lose weight and I just set my own personal scale back 10 pounds and I jump on it, I say, oh, look, I lost weight. I can continue on with my Snickers bars. Could I have a better amen? You know I'm telling you the truth following your heart is a cultural lie. The third thing that we talked to you about, the third lie is do whatever makes you happy. Listen to me very closely. I believe that God does want you happy. Psalms 144 and verse 15. Happy is the man whose God is the Lord. But the way the culture means it is so much different than what the Bible means. When the culture says, well, you know, you, you just need to be happy. Really what that means is I, I need to be selfish. And I need to quit anything that's hard in order to be happy. Here, here's what I do know about everybody in the house of God today and everybody watching online. And even though I may not know you personally, here's what I do know about you. That every single one of you wants to live a life of significance. And every single one of you wants to be satisfied. 
Now, if you follow the Lord and follow his plan, those two S's, significance and satisfaction, they can be yours. And that is a real great definition of biblical happiness. We're going to be teaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount beginning this Wednesday, as I mentioned, and it starts with what we call the Beatitudes. You, you remember those from Matthew 5 and verse 3, uh, where, where the Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Matthew 5 and verse 4, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, the Greek word praotes, which means teachable. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, not with their eyes, but perceive God. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers are not people that break up fights. Peacemakers are people that share the gospel with other people and bring peace to the hearts of mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew 5, 10, through 12, blessed are those of you when people lie about you and persecute you for righteousness sake, for yours is the kingdom of God. All of those beatitudes start with the word blessed. All of those words blessed are the Greek word makarios. Makarios means happy. If you'll do all of those things, I'm going to teach you this beginning Wednesday. The Bible will show you how to be happy, but none of those things have anything to do with personal selfishness. All of those things have everything to do with living a significant life before the Lord and therefore being satisfied. I can tell you right now, I live a significant life, and I am very satisfied. That's why I'm one of the happiest cats you're ever going to meet in your life. And it's not because I'm a pastor, but because I am living my divine destiny. And my divine destiny is making a difference for the Lord. And yours can too. That's why I encourage you to be a part of our Stepping Into Joy classes. Because when you become an usher or work with our kids or on and on and on, then your life becomes meaningful. Helping anybody in the house. The fourth lie that we begin to talk to you about is love is love. And we gave you eight thoughts about that last time. But in review, we're only going to give you four because we don't have time to give you eight. So let's review. Well, that's a, I hear that all the time. Well, love is love. Let me talk to you. Let me give you the biblical truth. God is love, but love is not God. First John 4, 8, the Bible says that God doesn't have love. God is love. God is love, but love is not God. Why? Number two is true as well, because God is love. He gets to define love. How many know when you are the creator, you get to tell the creation what love is? Third thing we talked to you about is you can't separate love and truth. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 6, the Bible says that love rejoices not in sin, but love rejoices in the truth. You can't separate true biblical love from the truth of God's word. And the fourth thing, just to break it down in review, love is acceptance, but love is not approval. John chapter 8, 1 through uh, 13, where the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus gave that woman acceptance, but not approval of her sin. I mean, the grace of God is not the power of God to overlook sin. The grace of God is the power of God to overcome sin. 
How many know the grace of God is not the inclusion of sin? The grace of God is a transformation from sin. How many know that God loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are? Man, all those years ago, as an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar, my sweet, wonderful Jesus did not come into that bar and give me another beer. Because he only would have been adding to my bondage and to my addiction. He wanted me free. So he jumped in my heart at my invitation and gave me my own personal miracle on the inside. To all of you atheists, and we've had a number of atheists come here to the church and give their lives to the Lord. We have atheists that watch us on time or online and on time. <laughs> Listen to me very, very closely, and I really want you to get this. You say, well, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. If you'll simply believe that Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cruel cross was resurrected, seen alive by over 500 eyewitnesses. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. Any court of law would accept that. If you'll make him Lord of your life, he will prove to you, if you believe that, he'll prove to you that he's real. How, how so, Pastor? When you invite him to take over your life, he'll come in and change your heart from the inside out. I can, I can tell you this as a personal experience. It's very hard to argue with me because 43 years ago, all of my inward desires were selfish. All of my inward desires were to do evil. All of my inward desires were towards unrighteousness. When I made him Lord of my life, I didn't become Billy Graham overnight. Still not Billy Graham. Thank you for that approval. That was, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no kidding, Pastor. You're not even close. Graham crackers, maybe, but not. Thanks for that vote of confidence. Listen to me, I haven't become Billy Graham, but the moment I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life, something changed on the inside of me. Where he didn't stop sitting and become perfect, but everything on the inside of me no longer has a desire to sin. Now, when I mess up, I don't want to just sin more. When I mess up, I fess up. I don't cover up. Because I have been born again, and my heart that used to desire evil and selfishness and to do whatever made me feel good, now wants to do the right thing. I don't always say, Pastor, you always do the right thing? No, I don't always do the right thing. But my heart is always to do the right thing. And if you make him Lord of your life, that's his personal miracle on the inside of you that his way of showing, I am alive. Fifth thing is, this is where we ended last time, and won't have time to review here a lot. This lie into the culture, humans are a product of random, unguided evolution. We talked to you last time about seven thoughts to debunk those things. We talked to you about creation, and we talked to you about conscience, two beautiful things that God has given you and I to let us know that, hey, he's God, and he's up there. And he wants to personally be involved in your life. If you're an atheist, you've got more faith than I do because you believe in the absolute scientific impossibility of nothing creating everything. That catches us up to date. Is anybody in the house ready for new territory? 
Lie number six that the culture tells us that we're going to debunk today is you are enough. Now, there was a movie that came out not too long ago. No, I'm not, don't, please don't be, if you've seen it, it's not, it's not a sin, but it's Frozen number two, you know, by Disney, Frozen. That was the theme. The whole thing when the song was eventually to look within and you'll find the power within. You are enough. And doesn't that sound beautiful? Sounds very self-helpish, very, a lot of Christian pop psychology that's on television right now uh, that's very popular and gets a zillion views. You're enough. You're, you're a winner. Everybody's a winner. You're awesome. <laughs> you're awesome. You're a participation trophy. Just because you participated, you get a trophy, and you get a trophy, and you get a trophy, and you get a trophy. I sound like Oprah now, don't I? <laughs> and just, uh, just for your... Uh, entertainment pleasure, please know that I, I have a band around me that says, what would Oprah do? <laughs> the reason that I do is because whatever she would do, I do the opposite of it, and I find that... <laughs> please don't be mad at me. You know I'm telling you the truth. If I went on her show, we have a, a mobile kitchen, and, and we fed over 60,000 free meals to the herding. 60,000. If I went on her show and told her that, she would give me something. Oh, Pastor Jim, here, here, look under your chair. There's a gift under your chair for you. <laughs> if I went further, I said, hey, Oprah, we fed those 60,000 free meals in the name of the Lord. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to get to God. You would see Oprah's inner demon come out. <laughs> Rah! How many understand, ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between New Age and the Bible. The lie that the culture tells you and I is you're enough. So let me give you seven. Yes, seven. You're not enough nuances. And number one is going to really bless you. Are you ready? Number one, you're no good. <laughs> let me qualify. Let me give you biblical balance. You're no good before you meet Jesus. You remember the rich young ruler? He's a very moral man. I kept all these things from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, Mark 10 and verse 18. He said, there's none good, only God. How about Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, apart from Christ, there is none righteous, no, not one. So apart from the Lord, you're no good. You're no good. Baby, you're no good. <laughs> oh, come on. How many old enough to just... I have a past. I have a past. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I uh, See, I'm not Billy Graham yet. Pray for me. Again, that's apart from the Lord. Let me give you the second thought, and it is true. You can't do all things. Um, uh, apart from Frozen 2, look within yourself, though the power is within you. You can't. Remember Lauren's favorite scripture, Lauren Bajorklin, our servant leader of the month? That's her favorite scripture. It didn't say you can do all things. It said, Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. The Greek word, endunamao, it means empower. You can do all things through Christ, which empowers you. Not in and of your own self. Not, well, I want a participation. I'm, 
Uh, look at me, I can find the power within, I can find the courage within, I can find my inner strength. That's new age, folks. And it's crept into the church, unfortunately. Third thing that you need to understand is without Christ, we are broken sinners in need of a Savior. That's without Christ. Now, let me give you the balance. I shared this yesterday. This is worth coming for right here because I see two ditches in the body of Christ right now. And as your pastor, I always try to, 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly divide the word of truth so we don't get you in a ditch over here or we don't get you in a ditch over here. How many know, apart from the Lord, we are no good? Romans 7 and verse 18, there is nothing good that lies within me other than God. Before I met the Lord, there was nothing good in me. Now that I've met Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21 is true. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for me, that I would be made the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God in Christ, not in myself, in Christ. If you're a born-again child of God, your spirit before God is righteous. Dioxcune in the Greek language is right before God. There's no, see, you're at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. L listen to me closely. I hear this all the time. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And you have to whistle to make it sound more spiritual. Here's the problem with that. You're either one or two. You're not both. You're either an old sinner, and if you are, we can take care of that today, or you are saved by grace, but you are not both. So if you're a born-again child of God, now you've been made righteous on the inside. But now here's where I need, that's, that's our circles. Uh, here's, here's where I need you to make sure that you understand something, because I don't want our circle to get into a ditch, because this is really true. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And I agree that you are no longer a wretch if you're a born-again child of God. But listen to me closely. Before we met the Lord, we were a wretch. Listen to me very closely. You will never truly appreciate your righteousness until you fully understand your former wretchedness. That's the balance I want to get you to. Yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. No question about it. But this is one of my keys. This is why I don't burn out. This is why I have so much passion. Is because I am fully aware. I don't go back and remember my sin, but I always go back and remember I have been forgiven. Luke 7, 47. To whom much is forgiven, there is much love. Uh, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is where we miss it. We don't understand just how holy, perfect, and perfectly holy God is. And I don't care if you grew up in church. You may not have the testimony that I do or, or my brother Dave does. You, you, you may not be uh, it just a, 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 in a mess like I was all those years ago. You, you may have grown up, grown up in church like my sweet wife did. She doesn't have the testimony that I do. Listen to me very closely. But compared... To God's holiness before Christ. I always use this example. If you see sheep out in a green field 
and they're eating grass, and you and drive by them, and you think, oh, man, look at the beautiful sheep. They're white, that beautiful wool. But then if, if you go to bed, and overnight there's a new snow that cascades over all the grass, and you drive by that same sheep field the next day, and you see those sheep out in that same field over that beautiful new white snow, you'll see just how dirty they really are. And folks, I do want you to know before Christ, listen, God is 100% good, 100% holy, 100% righteous, and only 100% test score makes it into heaven. Not 98, not 99, no matter how nice you are. If you scored a two on your test before you met Christ like I did, I had a two. My wife got saved when she was five. Maybe she had a 98. But compared to the holy white snow of our holy, perfect, and perfectly holy God, all of us without the Lord have fallen short. But see, I understand that. I know my former wretchedness, and that's why I appreciate my present righteousness. I'm grateful, folks, and therefore I am serving God not because I have to, but because I get to. It's an honor to serve God. It's an honor to do all. I don't, I'm not in, involved in legalism where I, I have to do all this stuff. I get to do it. I'm grateful to do it because I know what I was, and I know who he made me. And I'm so grateful. If you don't understand just how sick you were, you'll never truly appreciate the cure. Helping anybody. Fourth thing that we need to understand is you are special in Christ. Things are getting better now. Ephesians 2.10, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus on two good works that he has before ordained that you should walk in them. That word workmanship in the Greek language is poema. And we get our English word poem from it. It means special creation. You are God's special creation. Could you say that out loud? So I am God's special creation. But how many know we didn't become that until we became in Christ? This is not a Disney film. Apart from him, we're nothing, John 15, 5. But with him, we are special in Christ. We're his workmanship. We're his poem. We're his haiku. Thank you for that tepid golf clap. I was blessed by that. Fifth thing that you need to know, and it is true, your value is determined by his love. John 3.16, you know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Everybody knows that. But listen to me. My value, your value is always determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for it. That someone is God. The, the price that he paid was his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, his very best. That's how valuable you are to God. But you are not a Disney film. That's in Christ. That's because of what Jesus has done for you and I. That determines our value. Helping anybody. Sixth thing that you need to know, your confidence and courage does not come from self-evaluation, but spirit empowerment. It doesn't come from looking within and finding the inner power within you. It doesn't do that. You remember Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3? He says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And he said, if anybody could do it, I could do it. I'm paraphrasing. He said, man, I, I, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. 
I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, the stock of Israel. In other words, this is the, as far as Jews go, he said, as far as the law is concerned, I was blameless. In other words, if anybody could put their confidence in their flesh, Paul was saying, it could be me, but I put no confidence in the flesh. And he said in Philippians 3, in verses 8 and 9, matter of fact, I count all those things as but dung. Dung is an old King James English word for a poo. For all of you religious people in the house, he counts all those things as but poo. You say, what is he talking about? Paul, at the time in which he wrote that, was arrested. And you may not understand where he wrote that in the book of Philippians. He wrote that in the Praetorium. He wrote that in the inner dungeon where the sewage of Macedonia and Philippi would go through. And he was chained to the wall. And he could look down, and I'm not trying to be crass, I'm just telling you what he was dealing with. He could see the urine and the feces at his feet, sometimes up to his knees. And he's saying, as far as confidence is concerned, I count all those things as but dung. My confidence is in the Lord. How many know, folks? Doesn't that, doesn't that give us a little, us Americans, we get bothered if we just get a little persecuted at church? Paul was like this, up to his knees in poo. Could someone in the house get a backbone? My confidence doesn't come from self-evaluation. It comes from spirit empowerment. And I want you to know that. I, listen, I, I don't, I'm a very confident man. But it's not in my rugged good looks. <laughs> How many understand what rugged good looks is? It just means you're ugly and you've got to say something like, it's like if you're going to, if you're going to get, if you're going to get a, a, like a, a cabin in Gatlinburg and you, see, you go on the website and, they, and you see the term rustic. Can I tell you what rustic means? It means you got yourself an old ugly cabin without air conditioning. <laughs> but they got to spice it up a little bit by saying rustic. That's what ugly men say. When they talk about themselves, they say some like rugged good looks. That's my rustic. <laughs> You're a mean bunch, I'm telling you right now. Notice here, that's not where my confidence comes from. Proverbs 3.26, the Bible says, put your confidence in the Lord. My confidence is not anything else but the Lord. That's why I'm confident all the time, because my, my confidence is not in a politician. My confidence is not in a pope. My confidence is not in a pastor. My confidence is not in a person. My, my confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know in and of myself, I'm not enough. Number seven, and it's true, you will never be enough. He will forever be enough. Forever. Oh, come on, you ought to clap louder than that. That's good news. Thank you, Lord. Our last lie. How bad can it be? We only got one more lie to go. Are you interested? Last cultural lie. We're going to debunk it. Here we go. Number seven. Check it out. Don't judge me. This is my favorite. I'm excited about it. Me and Christine are excited about this. Now, now what, what, what do you mean? You, you, you hear this all the time. I hear politicians quote this verse. from Matthew 7, 1. They quote this verse all the time. I think it is the only verse they know. I think they pull it out when they want to get away with some crime. Don't judge me. 
Now, now listen to me. The Bible does say, Matthew 7, 1, it does say, judge not and you shall not be judged. But look at your pastor. The Bible is very, very clear. You don't study one... Here, let, me, let me shock you. Don't read a verse in the Bible. Huh? Pastor, what are you talking about? Don't read a verse in the Bible. Read the whole thing in context because anybody, including the devil, can take out a verse in the Bible and make it say anything that they want to. You don't contrast Scripture with Scripture. You compare Scripture with Scripture. And you've got to take it in context. The devil knows the Bible. You need to know it, and you need to know it in context. And I'm going to shock you because the Bible just doesn't teach just Matthew 7, verse 1. Now, I'm going to give you that in context in a moment. The Bible is very clear in Matthew 7, and verse 20. The Bible tells you and I, the Bible says that we are to judge fruit. Anybody in the house uh, ever go to a grocery store? Anybody in the house ever eat? If <laughs> you ever gone to a grocery store and you're, you're going to get fruit, you know, you're going to get a melon, a watermelon, or cantaloupe, or whatever, what do you do? You pick that thing up, you, you squeeze it, you inspect it, you judge it. You judge that fruit. Have you ever been, you ever been squeezing the cantaloupe and all of a sudden the manager of Kroger's comes over and says, judge not, you shall not be judged. <laughs> that ever happened to you? <laughs> of course not, because everybody expects you to judge fruit, including Jesus. He said it, you shall know people by their fruit, not by what they say, by their fruit. And he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, the Bible tells you and I, watch this now, you and I are to clearly judge sin, not hearts, Sin. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 29 that we are to judge prophecy. And there's a lot of false prophets and false prophecy that are all over YouTube right now. And they have 50,000, 100,000 hits because people treat it like a Christian horoscope. It's true. And I've watched some of these guys, and their prophecies rarely come true. Some of them do, very few, just enough to keep you hooked, but most of them don't but they appeal to your basis nature. We're to judge those things. The Bible tells us that in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. We're to judge the spirits, 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 3. So you can very clearly see the Bible's full of scriptures. I could give you more where there are places we are supposed to judge. And even the one that all the politicians pull out and say, Matthew 7, 1, judge not, you shall not be judged. Let me give you that in context, maybe for the first time in your life. Because in Matthew 7, 1, it does say, judge not, you shall not be judged. But verse 2 says, with what measure that you judge, it will be measured back to you again. So he's not telling you not to judge. He's telling you to make sure that you judge righteously because however you judge, it's going to come back to you. If you judge with superiority and hypocrisy, that will come back to you. If you judge righteously, that will come back to you. Because Jesus further explains it in verse 3 and 4. He says, how is it? that when you have a log in your eye, that you are judging the speck in another man's eye. And watch what he said. 
He said, before you ever do that, you've got to get rid of the log in your own eye so that you can see clearly, so that you can see clearly, so that you can see clearly to remove the speck out of someone else's eye. Can you see this now? This is judging righteously. Judging is good, but you have to do it right. We live in a culture. This is a true story, folks. This just happened a few weeks ago. True story. A kid, he's a grade school kid. The teacher's teaching them how to, you know, do to spell and, and, and the alphabet and all that. And the kid did a capital J backwards. Teacher came over and said, honey, that's backwards. True story. Kid looked at the teacher and said, don't judge me. Folks, that's the culture in which we live. There's no such thing as truth. And if you, if, you, if you come against my truth, no matter how bizarre it is, don't judge me. We hear it all the time. I wouldn't want to judge somebody. Don't judge anybody. Don't judge me. Listen to me very closely. Let me give you five thoughts. Yes, five thoughts <laughs> about judging righteously. Because I want to debunk this myth. Number one, check it out. I described this. We should never judge from a position of superiority or hypocrisy. We should judge from a place of moral clarity. Jesus talked about that's what he said. If you're judging people with a log in your eyes, that is from a place of superiority and a place of hypocrisy. You're yelling at your teenager. Well, I don't like that. That's the devil's music. That's the devil's music. He's a devil. But you're over here, and you got a different genre that's telling you, my dog and my wife, they both ran off, and I'm sure going to miss my dog. I'm drinking all night and fornicating the rest. Oh, God, I hope I'm blessed. Listen to me. I'm not picking on a genre, but if you're over here listening to that and you're rebuking your teenage kid for there's going to be a disconnect because that's hypocrisy. Come on now. Those of you watching in Nashville, I need a night job. It's not about the genre or the style. It's about the lyrics. It's about the attitude. It's about the spirit. It's about the hypocrisy. Remember what he said? He said, you've got to remove that log so that you can then see clearly. So if we're over here as a church and we're yelling at all the homosexuals, but we're over here shacking up and having heterosexual sin and we're yelling at them, there is a disconnect, folks. I'm not saying that's not a sin, but I'm saying we've got to first remove the log before we ever talk to their speck, helping anybody. When we remove it, I can see clearly now the sex has stopped. It's going to be a bright, bright sunshine and dirt. Motown, those of you watching from Motown, I'm available at night as well. I'm going for any job I can get at this point, Kelly. Is helping anybody? 
Giving you a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom. Second thing you need to know, and it's so powerful, before you judge, ask yourself, what do I see in them that's already in me? Always remove it before you go to them. The problem is not the judging. We should do that with a right heart to help and love and support people and to restore people. The problem is judging with hypocrisy or spiritual superiority. I just look down on you, you poor pitiful thing. Third thing is true and it's powerful. Never look out the window until you first looked in the mirror. We do that all the time, don't we? we particularly the window of social media. We look out that window and we're just judging everybody. How about we look in the mirror first before we ever talk out there? Come on. Listen, and I, I'm same as you. I'm very cautious about when I come up here, a lot of times as I'm studying for a message, man, God will get on me. Because, he, 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 listen, I, I'm anointed to teach it, but I don't have a special anointing to live it. I got to live it out like you got to live it out. And so God will get on me while I'm preparing the message. I'm like, well, I got I to gotta fix that, don't I, Lord? Yeah, 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 you do. And so I'll fix it, and I'll get it right before I ever talk to you about it because I don't ever want to come up here hypocritically. And then once I get it right, man, I enjoy letting you have it. <laughs> it's cathartic, baby. God gets on me, then I get on you. And we all get better because of it. I'm, I'm playing with you, folks. I hope you know. I'm playing with you. Fourth thing that you need to know, it's true. The Corinthians weren't in trouble because they were judging. The Corinthians were in trouble because they weren't. Read it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 through 12, there's a situation in the church where there's a young man who's having sex uh, with his stepmother. You, you ought to read the Bible. The Bible is so interesting and awesome. It would make movies boring after you read the Bible. Just a true, I mean, read it for yourself. Having sex with the stepmom. And Paul writes to him and says, what are you guys doing? Why are you so puffed up? You should be mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. You should be mourning because you're allowing this to go on. When will you not judge this and get this out of the church? They weren't in trouble because they were judging. They were in trouble because they weren't helping anybody. Listen, if you're in this house, I just sense this from the Lord. If you're in this house right now and you're living together, I want you to know we're not mad at you, but I'll tell you what we will do. Uh, we provide free, free, free biblical marriages. We'll help you get right with God just like this. God, that's free. Now, we'll give you, we'll give you premarital counseling before you do it because we want to make sure you're making the right decision. Free, premarital, but then we'll, we'll, we'll marry. You don't need a big fancy thing. Just come to church. We'll marry you in one of the rooms back here after you do the premarital count. We'd be glad to do that. It'd be, our, it'd be our honor. And when you walk in the house, we don't just ask everyone at the door, hey, you married? Hey, you shacking? You married? Shacking? <laughs> married? Shacking? That's not what we do, but I'm talking about it. And so I know sometimes people feel, oh, gosh, and they feel guilty or whatever. That's how you get right with God. You can do it just like that. Or you can move out. Yeah, but that's going to cost money. Yep. It just depends on what you want. 
You want to be right with God or is it all about the money? Amen. And, you know, in the meantime, sometimes I recognize that can be a process. In the meantime, this just, I'm just pastoring you. I'm just talking to you honestly. In the meantime, what you could do is go to separate bedrooms for now until you move out or get married. That's, come on. Now, that's not going to work permanently. That's only temporary because I know it's a process because we don't want you living out on the street. We get that. I'm just pastoring you. That's just temporary. That's not going to work long term. But that will help you. If you really want to, if you're serious about this, if you really want to, and God will bless you. And he'll help you. He'll love you. And, 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 and then when you do it right before God Almighty, he'll bless your marriage. Because he's such a good God. Some of y'all don't know whether to clap or be mad at me. I'm just, just pastoring you, just loving on you, just helping you. Fifth thing that you need to know, and it is true, there's no justice without judgment. There is no justice without just judgment. It's impossible. You don't want to live in a culture, a country, or anywhere that has no judgment because it is then without justice. Listen, help me understand. The rapist needs to be judged. That's not deep. The pedophile needs to be judged. Absolutely. And if there is none of that, oh, well, boys will just be boys. You don't want to live in that culture helping anybody. Can you see how, how subtle the devil's lies are? But how wonderful the truth of God's Word is. <laughs> lies will always keep you in bondage. The truth, John eight thirty two will always make you free.